I want to open up in prayer. If you'll bow with me and pray with me. Father, we thank you for this night, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity, God. What a humbling opportunity, Lord, to speak to lives, God. As I speak into eternity, Father, I pray, God, that there'll be words said that are not my own words, but words in the throne room of God, God. I pray, God, that I'm humble and a vessel and I'm, I, I'm, I'm sensitive to what you want to tell your people tonight. I pray, God, we grow and learn, reach depths that we've never reached, Father. Not because of me, a mortal man, but because of you, God, that can do amazing and mighty things, Father, here tonight. I know, God, it's just a Wednesday night. We have a few, God. But God, if there was only one, Lord, I know, God, the, the message doesn't change. I pray, God, that the power and anointing will show forth tonight through your preaching that you're, you're using me for. Father, I pray, God, that your hand be on each and every one. Our ears be open to hear your word and our hearts be ready to receive what you have for us tonight. Lord, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for us in Christ's name. And amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. The Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt, not, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength and with, with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered, answered, answering said, A certain man went down from Jericho, uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. And fell among thieves, which stripped him of his remnant, his clothes, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance they came down a certain, there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and setting him on his own beast, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed... He took, took out two pence, gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, whosoever thou, uh, whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these, which now of these three thinketh thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do likewise. So this reminds me, and I, I want to hit a couple parts of this scripture, just to give us context. So we see the, the main story here, the main parable, 
is a response to a lawyer in Jesus' time. And when we say lawyer, a lot of us think of the courtroom and you have a defendant and you have someone who is uh, on trial and you have a lawyer who's fighting for the defendant, who, who's, who, who's uh, standing to, to give the law and he can interpret the law. A lot of times what they'll say is they'll give points of cases that have been done in the past and how they were ruled on to give context of how it should be ruled today. In a lot of the same ways, this was a lawyer of the scripture. He knew the law, the law, the Old Testament law. He understood the, the Old Testament and could talk and speak on these things. Okay, so this man was trying to trap Jesus. He was not trying to give him ammo and trying to boast him up. He was trying to trap him. He was trying to trick him. He was trying to, to tempt him. And Jesus answered and gave him a parable. And I have to believe that each one of these that came by when he said priest, oh, definitely the priest would have helped. But the priest passed by on the other side. I think about that as a, a, a picture in my mind, a, a play in my mind, coming down a street. And you see some laying there. And you know if you keep walking, you'll have to address the man that's laying before you. But the other side of the street is clear. All you have to do is cross on the other side of the street, and then your path is clear. You'll never pass by that person that needs help. Then likewise the Levite. So we see these two that you would think would be honorable men that would address the need of the person who needed help would stop and help, but they passed by on the other side. More convenient for them to go by the way of uh, uh, passivity or passiveness, going through a different path, a different way. But there was a man from Samaria. The Bible says that he had compassion on him. And I say compassion three times on purpose. I think a lot of times the church misses that scripture. Misses that God has called us to have compassion it's easy to judge. And we're going to get into it tonight. It's easy to pass judgment. It's like I, I said Sunday before last when I seen my own fault as somebody else's until I, I, my eyes were opened that it was my own fault and not somebody else's. We, it's, it's easy to point out somebody else's flaws, but it's tough when it comes to ourselves. So tonight I don't ask you to look on everybody else. I don't ask you to fix anybody else. I'm not asking you to fix your neighbor. I'm really asking that you examine you tonight. This is a message for you. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, I think we have room for examination. The Bible says that he had compassion and he took care of him and he went the extra mile. He didn't just give $5 and say, I hope that's enough. I did my, my part. I'm leaving. He went the extra mile and he said, I'm going to give this money. But if it's not enough, you let me know and I'll cover the bill. You know what that makes me think of? Jesus. It makes me think of Jesus. When everybody else failed to help me, Jesus did. The things that I called out and grabbed for that wouldn't help me, that I thought would help me, the drugs, the alcohol, the women, whatever it may be. When I, when I reached out and grabbed, they, they were empty. There was nothing there to help me. But Jesus could help me. And he said, I'm going to help you to this point. He said, it's going to be according to my riches and glory that I'm going to supply your need. I'm going to supply your need according to my riches and glory, which means whatever it takes to get you what you need, I'm going to get it. You're going to get it. One man said he would bankrupt heaven 
if that's what it took to help you to see your need met. God said, he, according to his riches, which is everlasting to everlasting, his, your need is not too big for him to help. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It, the Bible says the man was half dead. It makes me think of when I was, and, and I, I, I'm not thinking of this because it, it's not possible. I was a baby. But the story my mom tells about when I, my dad laid me on the foot of the couch and he was watching football. He had my sister on his chest, which would have been a year older. So she was about maybe 15 months old. I was four or five months old. He laid me between his leg and another leg on the couch. And he went to sleep. Well, his leg slipped off over my face. And I vomited and inhaled that vomit. My mom came from across the street, which is where her brother lived. She came and found me blue on the couch. This is her story, how she told it. She ran and called for her brother. They took me to the fire department. And I, I would venture to say if that story is true and holds true for what she said, I was half dead. I couldn't at, 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 at four or five months help myself. I couldn't call out for help even. I was half dead. I needed somebody to show compassion on me. I needed somebody to love me enough to say, this, this young person, this baby needs help. You know, that's a lot of times we're vulnerable before God. We need his help. We can't do it ourselves. We, uh, we don't want him to pass by on the other side, and he won't. Uh, he's the picture of that good Samaritan and even more. Because the good Samaritan is us. But this is what he said. This is what happened. They, re they resuscitated me. I went and spent a couple nights in the hospital. And my wife says that might be the cause of my brain damage. I don't know. That's possible. But the, the point is, I needed somebody to help me. I couldn't help myself. And I'm glad that my mama was there. Because I think sometimes that what if she was three or five minutes later? I wouldn't be here today. But I, that reminds me that there's nobody on the face of this earth that can snuff my life out if God's got a plan for it. Can, can I get an amen? If God and he does have a calling on my life, Satan can do what he will. But he's going to fall short every time. He's got a plan, but God's plan is stronger. The Bible says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I can tell you, no matter what I go through, no matter what I have to face, I can, I can be assured that God loves me and that he's taking care of me. Not just because of what his word says, and I stand on his word, but a life experience of God loving me when I wasn't worthy to be loved. Don't we put worth on love? Somebody does us wrong, we say, you're not worthy of love. You're not worthy of my love to be more specific. But God never said that. He, he, when I was a sinner, he sent his son to die for me. That I might not die and go to hell. That I would have a pathway back to him. He, oh, Jesus, help me. Can I tell you, he didn't pass by on the other side when it came to you. And he's saying don't pass by on the other side when it comes to your neighbor. We're going to talk about it. Can we talk about it tonight? What holds us back from doing what God has called us to do? Let's talk about that for a minute. I read in the Bible in Matthew 19, I'm not going to read the scripture, it's a very recognizable passage of scripture, but it's Matthew 19, there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus, and he asked him, how do I inherit eternal life? How can I get this life you speak of? And I see this man as, he's a young man, but I see him as very boastful, you know, Jesus, Jesus told him, he said, you got to keep the commandments, I've done, I've done that, kept them from my no problem there. I'm, I'm great there. Jesus, seeing that he was a rich man, said, 
Sell all you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. The man went away sorrowful because for him, his money meant more than a relationship with Jesus. Come on, somebody. And it might not be money in your life. Help me, Jesus. It might not be money in your life. It might be gossip in your life. It might be, it might be backbiting. It might be money. It might be possessions. It might be your health. It might be your youth. And I, I don't see too many young people, and I count myself probably the youngest, and I'm not young anymore. The, every, every, every time the clock clicks, I hear a little bit of my life clicking away. And I don't mean to be morbid or, or mean or ugly, but it's true. The Bible says that. He says our life is like a vapor. If we're going to do something, we better do it now, Brother Larry, right? We better do it now. Tomorrow's not promised. That's the truth. So the rich young ruler put that money over God. He's saying, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Now, I'm getting right now, I'm getting to what holds us back from being compassionate. This man saying, one of the main things he told the rich young ruler, sell everything you have, give to the poor. Understand, he didn't say, sell all you have and throw it in the garbage. He said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And it was a suggestion in this, in this part. He, Jesus was saying, I think he knew that his vice was money. So that's what he challenged him with. He said, let, let, let me challenge you. Sell all you have and give to the poor. He said, that's too great of cost. I can't follow you for that. Maybe half. Maybe half. Because I don't need half to live off of. i got to plan this thing out. But I can't give you all. Jesus, there's a song that said, 99 and a half percent won't do. i got to make 100 before I'm through. Did it say that? That's what it said. Jesus don't want half. He wants the whole. And I'm not saying the money. I'm not, I'm not preaching a, a foreign gospel. Jesus doesn't want us, I don't believe, to sell everything we got, put it in a pile right here, give it away, and sit here and believe faith that we're going to get peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the rest of our life. I believe God wants us to be wise. But this is what God will do. He'll find the area that you need to, he needs to shine light on. He'll shine light in that area and he'll challenge you. And when he does, we need to move. Thank you, Jesus. John 3. Nicodemus came and requested again, how do I inherit eternal life? And I like Nicodemus. He, he's, a, he's a realist. He's one that, that wants to see the facts. I, I'm a facts person as far as somebody comes to me and says, I'll give you an example. My daughter came to me and said, I got a bully at school, Dad. She, she chased me all around the, the school, and I, I'm, I'm really, really worried. And I said, well, what's going on? She said, she just don't like me. And I said, she just... Walked in and she didn't like you? Yeah, she don't like me. I said, you, you didn't have any conversation with her? I, I explore. I mean, Brother Larry, I think maybe I could work for the Durham Police Department as a detective. Because I've been a father. And I know how it is to interrogate. And I said, you mean you just walked in the schoolhouse and she just did not like you? Yeah, she didn't like me. I said, did you say anything to her? She paused. I said, I got her. That's where we need to be. She said, well, I was just playing. That's where it starts. I was just playing. I said, what would you say? She said, I called her Smelly Kelly. And I said, well, maybe that's why she's chasing you around the schoolhouse. And I said, have you apologized? No, I'm scared of her. She's a big girl. I said, why would you call her Smelly Kelly? Don't do that. Use wisdom. But we, we have a tendency to paint the picture we want people to see. Is that right? Whether it be the mask we put on or the statements we make, Facebook is a big one. Everybody on Facebook, every one of my friends on Facebook have glamorous lives. Every one of them. I just, I hit the jackpot. I, I don't think I found one person 
that doesn't have it all together. They put on Facebook how great everything is. You never hear a problem. Everything's going fine. They got the nicest car. Even though it says Enterprise, the bumper sticker. I didn't say anything. You know, but they got it and they're sporting it. And, and they want you to think that they got it all together. And if we're honest, we want each other to think we got it all together. Because I don't want you to judge me. And you don't want me to judge you. And a lot of times Satan will use that against us to the point that we can't be honest with one another. So when we struggle, we struggle alone. There's no help. So when the man's crippled, uh, beat up on the ground, we just look at him, God bless you, brother, brother Denny, right? Can you imagine just going by and say, God bless you. May, may God heal you and touch you. I'll be praying for you as I cross to the other side and go the other way. That's what that's like. The man needed help and he couldn't find help. We go to, we see in Mark chapter 12, and I want to read this, 12, 30 through 2. Again, it reiterates in a different uh, book of the Bible, of the New Testament, of what he's telling us we as Christians should do. 12, 30 through 32. He says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like, namely, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribes say unto you, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. point made here is that thou shalt love the neighbor as yourself. As yourself. Have you ever been in a bind? Have you ever been sick? Have you ever needed somebody? You know, I, I think back on the things that I have remembered. I, I had kidney stones one time, and I've shared this in the Sunday school room, I believe. And never had kidney stones. And it came right after a fast, believe it or not. We had a, a, a Daniel fast. And I had changed my diet, not realizing that, not that it mattered, but the one thing that can bring on a kidney stone is an aggressive change in diet. And I get this stone, didn't know it was a stone, wake up in the middle of the night, and my insides felt like somebody was trying to take them out of me. And I said, I'm going to die. I know what that man felt like when he was beat half to death. I felt like I had been beat half to death, and I was on the, on the edge of death, just ready to die, going over to the other side. I'm going to ask Jesus all the things I've been wanting to ask him. And I thought it was coming. So I called my mama. I'm just a big baby. I called my mom and said, Mama, if you want to tell me bye, I'll be at the hospital. I'm dying. She said, what's wrong, son? I don't know, but I'm dying. I know it. I was assured that I was dying. Headed to the hospital, got there, shaking all over the place. They gave me this stuff in my IV. I don't know what it was, but it instantly calmed me, and I passed that stone. And I seen that something so small could give us so much grief. Wow. So much grief. And life's the same way. Some of the same, some of the most, the largest struggles are so small. A lot of times, start as seeds in our head. A lot of times, we want the devil wants us to believe that that man wants us to pass by on the other side. He don't want our help. She don't want our help. She would rather just go through this alone. I think about it when I see people at the altar. I see Brother Dan at the altar sometimes, and I know he's praising God. I know he's doing what he should do. But you know what we should do as a church, and I, I'm guilty as any. I, I am the the most guilty. And I'm not passing judgment. I'm telling you what we should do. We should back him. 
Whether he's praising God, put a hand on his back and let him know he's not alone. Whether it be somebody else, a young man that comes up, put a hand on his shoulder and let him know he's not alone. We are not meant to be alone. God has put us here to put us together. And when we see people come to the altar, whether it's for something they're praying for, praying through, or just praising God, we ought to let them know we're here for them. Nobody wants to be alone. I don't want to be alone, and you don't want to be alone. God is calling us to be together. So when we pass by on the other side, although we think it's innocent, we're not doing what God has called us to do. Show the compassion that he has put in us, and he has put that compassion in us. So how can I be a neighbor? I can't tell you these scriptures without giving you some direction on how we execute what God has put in my spirit to do. A lot of times we hear about all the things we should do, but how do we do those things? That's, that's where the rubber meets the road. First of all, you have to see the need. We were in Durham. Uh, that's where I had my business, RTP Lock and Key in 2001. 2002, Jamie would ride. We got real busy, and Jamie would uh, ride along with me because I, I wouldn't see her. And I love my wife, and I love being with her. And I had the opportunity to, to date her while I was going on a call. Sometimes the, the ride was 20 minutes, and it was a glorious 20 minutes. I could reach over and hold her hand. I could talk to her. I could look at her. But we were going on a such call uh, one morning. Actually, it was one afternoon. And I pulled out of the driveway on Sharon Road. Got almost to the end, if you know where Sharon Road is, where Burger King is. Right down from Burger King, a lady come running out of the woods. This is before all the houses were on Sharon Road. This was 2002. She come running out of the room, uh, running, out, running out of the room, running out of the woods, didn't have a stitch of clothes on her. True story. She, she had no clothes on, and she was frantic. She was begging people. She had blood running down her head, and people were swerving. That's, that's what happened in this parable Jesus was saying. She had a need that most everybody that passed by could have met, but they were swerving over. And I, I, I kind of wonder, and she's not here tonight, so she don't have the benefit to stick up for herself, so I'm going to use her. My wife, must, they must have had people in their automobile the same as that I had in mine. Because my wife said, uh, uh, that woman's naked. I said, yeah, I see that, honey. She, she's bleeding from her head. I said, I see that. And when I pulled over to turn around, she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to go help her. You don't know nothing about that girl. She said, no, you just keep going. And I wonder if that's the way the world is. We see people hurting on all sides, but we keep going. Sister Candy didn't keep going. When you went and prayed for the abortion clinic, for the people going in that abortion clinic, she acted. We need to act. I turned around. I had an old blanket that I put down when I cut deadbolts to catch the shavings, and I shook, shook that out, and I covered her. I took my uniform shirt. I always wear two shirts because if you, if you can tell, most of the time when I speak, I'm drenching wet. That's just me. That's just me. So I wear two shirts. And I almost wonder if God started that with me when I was 15 years old for that day. I'm I'm just that crazy. Because what happened is I took my shirt off, clean shirt, and I wrapped it around her head and asked her to put pressure on it. I started becoming like CSI. Watch too much TV, bro, Larry. I said, what what kind of car did he have? What did he look like? Do you know his name? What's your name? And I was getting all the facts so when the cops came, I could just turn it over to them. And... um, when, when they got there, they, they said she would be fine. They looked it over, paramedics came, she would be fine. But the point is this, not that I'm some superhero because I didn't really do anything, but God does not require us to do much. He requires us to be obedient, and he's going to do the work. 
He's planned this thing out. The, the problem is so many times we want to plan it out. But he's planned it out. Trust his plan. So what's his plan? It's in his word. And i got to hurry. You have to see the, the need. You have to see the, your neighbor. It's important that we see through the lens of Christ and not our own lens. Because if we're not careful, we will determine by our own lens who we should help. So the question was asked, who is my neighbor? And the reason he asked that question is because in the old law, what, what it said is for an eye, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, basically. If somebody renders good to you, you render good back. If somebody renders evil, you, re- you render evil back. But the Bible in the New Testament says, those that do you wrong, those that despitefully use you, love them. Show them compassion. That's a hard, hard pill to swallow. Because even today, I, I, and, I, and I'll be honest, completely transparent, when my kids were coming up, I told them, I told them, I said, if somebody hits you, you hit them back. You give it right back to them as hard as they gave it to you. Was that Christ-like? No, it wasn't. But I was teaching my kids to stand up for themselves. But there's a right way and a wrong way. And I was teaching them the way my parents taught me. And a lot of things that we have in our life, and I want us to separate this. A lot of things we have are not scriptural. It's historical. For, for the way you were raised. The way that you were taught. How we were brought up. I want to ask you a question. So when we ask who your neighbor is, I'm going to ask you a couple of things and think about these. Don't yell them out to me. Just think on it. What color is your neighbor? What color is your neighbor? What gender is your neighbor? What size is your neighbor? How much money does your neighbor have or should they make to be your neighbor? How holy is your neighbor? Or better yet, how holy should they be before they can be considered your neighbor? How saved is your neighbor? Good question to ask. My point is this, we have to break down the barriers that we have that keep us from doing what God has called us to do. All these things I've listed is a short list, but there's a much longer list. Where did you grow up? What job do you have? On and on and on. And you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to separate us. He wants us to have these little small groups that we stay to. And we we get alone and by ourselves. And then we're vulnerable to attack. But this is what God said. He said even the sinner, the one that people rejected, he's the one that he sat, they, he sat down with to show them compassion. Not to get into it where they pull you down, but to show love. The message is this. God wants us to show love to our neighbor. So I think one of the things that we would have to understand when we're talking about being neighborly is we have to ask God's forgiveness. For anything that we've done to pass by on the other side. Not to pass judgment on ourselves, Not to get down and wallow in, in, in the grief that I didn't do what I was supposed to do. But ask God for forgiveness and move forward. Satan hates that. Because what he wants to hear is me say, you messed up. You're no good. And we're going to get in that, hopefully. The next thing we have to do to be a neighbor or to love our neighbor is we have to pray. James 5 says this. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him 
with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed any sin, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the word. That's powerful. If you grab a hold of that truth, that'll be enough to take you through. I'm telling you. Grab a hold of that truth and apply it and live it. It'll take you through. I believe that. I believe that. We have to rejoice and we have to mourn. So we have to see the person who's in need. We don't skip by them and say, life is good. Everything's going good for me. I hate that this is happening to you, but I got to go on. The Bible says in Peter 5, 5, I'm sorry, Psalm, uh, Romans 12, 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. He gives us instruction on this to be a neighbor to show compassion, to show love. We must learn and be teachable. Because what happens a lot of times, and I see this in my own self, and it was only through the correction that I got from God that my eyes were opened. For a long time I thought I had all the answers, that I had all the right answers, that the way I seen life was the way life was. I don't believe God wants me to get so much in a box that I feel like I have all the answers when my finite mind can understand an infinite God and I have to understand that and it will keep me humble and it will keep me teachable that way when somebody comes up to me I've had people tell me Todd I, I don't want to get into the Bible study with you you know too much I don't know too much I don't I have a small portion and I'm teachable we need to be teachable we need to be moldable by God Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, younger, submit yourselves to the elders. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So for us to see the need of our neighbor, we have to be humble. We, we cannot be prideful. We have to be humble. We have to ask ourselves, where are we? In this parable. Because every one of us fits somewhere in some degree, in some measure. How are we showing ourselves neighborly? Are we showing the love of Christ? Are we showing the love of of a, a Levite? Are we showing the love of a priest in this parable? Because I'm going to tell you, it costs something. When you go visit somebody, it costs something. But the cost is a lot less than the reward. To be obedient to what God is doing. To sow Seed in the kingdom of God. There's no greater task that you can do. No matter what that task might be. We see that played out in Genesis 3. Abraham has sinned against God. And the Lord called unto Abraham. He said unto him. Where art thou? He called out. God knows everything. He said. Why is our relationship broken? Where are you? This is what he said. I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Let me tell you a truth right now, a nugget. There is nothing hidden from God. Abraham's eyes were open to see that God seen all. The nakedness of his body was nothing to the nakedness of his sin. His sin was exposed before God and he knew it. And he had to deal with it. 
Something had to take place. And God's saying, nothing is hidden from me. I can hide things from you. You can hide things from me. But neither of us will hide anything from God. He sees it all. We're naked before God. So I ask myself, where am I at in this story? Am I so busy in my life and I'm very busy? Am I so busy that it's, it's easier to walk to the other side than to deal with the pain and the struggle that this person is bringing me? Or am I saying, God, whatever you have, if I lose everything, what have I lost? Come on, somebody. What have I lost? The Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What did it profit the rich man, the rich young ruler, to keep all of his money and lose Jesus? Profited him nothing. He lost it all. So the last point. I refuse to be judgmental. And I've lived a judgmental life. I felt like at 18, I got saved, I got sanctified, and I got filled with heaven's sweet Holy Ghost. I did. And I was forever changed. But also what happened, because I was young, full of zeal, I started seeing people that had gone the same way I did, and I started judging those people. How dare they do X, Y, and Z? Is God pleased with that? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think when I judged the man because he went down to Jericho, that's not my fault he chose to go down there. You know, that's his, that's his fault. That was his choice. I didn't put him in the situation. We start justifying in our mind to be judgmental of those who are in the situations. Now, don't think of him going down to Jericho because we don't have a Jericho here, but in fact we do. Jericho are lifestyle, lifestyle choices that people make. That we know God's not pleased with. But we have to be careful not to judge, but to love. If we don't love, what have we done? Most of the time, people know that they're doing wrong. We can share the scriptures in love. But then we love until those scriptures take hold. You hear what I'm saying? It's easy to see somebody drunk and pass judgment. It's easy to see somebody high and pass judgment. But God didn't call me to be a judge. He called me to be a lover. Come on, somebody. He didn't call me to be a judge. He called me to be a lover. I'm one to love souls. Because no matter the act that they're doing, they're doing it for a reason. If we could see from the eye that Christ sees and not our own, we would see the hurt, the pain, the the turmoil, the struggle. And, And Jesus didn't tell the woman at the well, get away from me, you filthy somebody. He said, come on, come on, drink from the well. My Lord, my Lord, what a picture. He said, I don't judge you even though you don't don't know who your wife is. You've been with so many men you don't even know. He said, come drink of the water. He said, if you know who I was, you'd ask me to drink. Because when you drink from me, that well will never go dry. You'll never thirst again. My Lord, I hope you're hearing me. 2 Corinthians 2, 7, last scripture. Starting in verse 7, so that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and confirm him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Let me explain what what Jesus is saying, or what, not Jesus, what Paul is saying here. He's saying when you're correcting somebody in the church, because let's be honest, we're not always talking about the people in the street. There's people right here, an opportunity in these pews every Sunday. 
And I think a lot of times, and I speak for myself, we miss the opportunity. We do. We come in at, at, at whatever time we come in. 10.25. And we start talking about what happened here or there. We come in, we're, we're distracted by chatter. And we're in a holy place. This place where people, it's just like a hospital. Can you imagine a doctor coming in and not ever addressing the patient? A quick story. My knees hurt me so bad because I have arthritis. The triangle orthopedic said I have the knees of a seven-year-old, and that was four years ago. And it hurts me every day. And I went to get cortisone shots. I actually went to talk to them about surgery. They told me when I was uh, uh, 36 that if I can make it to 40, they'd do surgery. And I made it to 40 if, if the good Lord tarries, and I, I lived August the 2nd. I'll be 40 years old. And I wanted to start the conversation because I really do hurt every day. And the, the man said, I'll tell you what, if you can get to 50, we'll talk about it. <laughs> I said, man, you're pushing, these 10 years, you're pushing me 10 years out. I, I said, I, what, if, what would happen if I live 10 years and die? I will, I will not have benefited from the knees you could give me. And um, it's funny because he, he was real helpful. He, he said, I can give you some cortisone shots and it'll, it'll help. It'll, it'll ease the pain. It's, uh, infl- it cuts down on inflammation. And I remember sitting there as he left the office thinking about this message here. We talk about a hospital for the church. What would have been like if that man would have never came back? He knew I had problems. He knew I needed something in somebody. I come to the place where I could get help, I thought. What if he'd never come back in the room and somebody come at closing time and said, Todd, we're closing. It's time for you to go. I have to believe that there's people who walk in those doors and they wait till closing time and leave without getting help. And that's not because of the pastor. That's not because of you. I don't point fingers. That's because of me. Because sometimes God gives me a word. Sometimes God gives you the word. I would that this church would be obedient to God's word, to his voice. That when he calls, we wouldn't allow the devil to come in and say, that ain't, that ain't God. That ain't God. But we would have faith, believing that God could speak to us in such a way that it could help somebody else. That man came back and gave me shots. It hasn't helped yet. He said it's going to take some time. And I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting, suggesting that somebody comes down here and they run out saved and gloriously get everything they want. But it's a process. And we're part of that process, church. God has called you not to pass by on the other side. The remainder of this verse, I give you context. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. For to this end, I also wrote that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. Now, whom you forgive, uh, you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sake in the presence of Christ. The Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not uh, ignorant of his devices. Satan is busy. He would have us pass by on the other side. I see a room full of good Samaritans that the Bible talks about. People who have been put here for a purpose and a reason. I include myself in that group. God has put me here in Bethel. God has put me here in Durham for such a time as this. He's put me here not so I can just be happy 
and joyous where I am. He has put me here to go to work for him and his, his kingdom. He gave me a, a, a bag of seed. I may be crazy, but he gave me a bag of seed. He gave some of you buckets of water. And he said this. He said, plant your seeds. Water the seeds, and I'll bring the increase. Did he not say it? That's what he said. He said, because some plant, some water, but God brings the increase. Are you planting? Are you watering? Are you being that hand that God has called you to be? Are you being that foot to take the gospel to somebody? This is a challenging message. It's not meaning to condemn anyone. I believe we can grow. We can recognize Satan's tricks and schemes. And we can rebuke him, love God, and love people. We want to know what our, our, our purpose is. We want to know what our calling is. Do what God said do. Love your neighbor. And first he said this. He said, love God with all your heart. And then love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to commit sin against him. You're not going to murder him if you love him. You're not going to steal from him if you love him. You're not going to desire their possessions if you love them. But what will happen is if you love them, I believe the Bible says that, that love covers a multitude of sin. It sure did with me. I had a multitude of sin, and, and Christ loved me much more than my sin. His blood was much more powerful than my sin. This is what he did. He died for me, that he might have a relationship. That's how important it was for him. What will we do for our neighbor? This, this is an example of Christ. He said, there's no greater love than this, that he laid his life down for his friends. He loved us that much. And when I say this, I say this 100% from my heart. I believe God is calling us to love one another. Nobody is meant to be alone. We're meant to be together. I hope this meant something to you. We'll close us out in prayer. Left plenty of time for us to pray. We have several minutes, eight minutes to pray. I, I, I encourage you. I compel you to come and pray. Seek God. Let this message seek down into you. It's not the words of Todd. I, I, I've, I've shared some stories, but for the most part, I've shared God's word. Let it change you. You're good people. Good people. Good loving people. But we stand with room to grow and to get closer. Until the day that he calls us home to glory, we can grow. We can mature. Let's remember that. Be a good Samaritan. Brother Mark, if you'll find something soft to play as I pray us into closing out in this service. Father, we love your word, God. We love your instruction. We thank you, God, that you stand behind your word. You honor your word. If we pray your word, things are going to come to pass. Father, I pray for the healing of Pastor Don. Your word said, by your stripes we're healed. I stand on that truth. God, and I claim it in the name of Jesus. I pray now he's shaken to his very core, that he feels your touch, God. God, that you do the work that only you can do. I pray for each and every member here. I pray something has been said in this message that would encourage us to be more like you, that would compel us to be closer to you. God, we need you tonight. We need you, we need you, we need you. Bethel needs you, Father. We have sick people coming in these doors. Lord, we're a hospital that you set up, God, that sick can come in here and get what they need. Father, and they need you. Help us to be bold in our witness. 
Help us to be passionate in our witness. Help us, God, to be humble enough to hear your voice and not have pride to keep us from doing what you call us to do. But, Lord, that we would move and operate in your spirit as you give us direction. Father, we love you and praise you and thank you for what you've done tonight what you're going to do this week and the remainder of the week. And we thank you, God, that Sunday is soon to come. What a glorious day to come into your house and praise your name. Father, just like this one, but that one's something special. I pray, God, that you bring the sinners in Sunday. And, Lord, you have a, a room full of good Samaritans that wouldn't see the need and pass by on the other side, but would provide the need, supply the need, because that need is you, Lord. We love you. We praise you and thank you for us. In Christ's name we pray. And amen. Would you come pray with me?